0: Protests in solidarity with an indigenous blockade in northern BC have snarled rail traffic across the country. The action against the coastal gas link pipeline has sparked anger among pipeline supporters and has created political chaos for the prime minister who canceled a planned trip to try to deal with the issue. I'm Dave Breckenridge, and this is 10-3. The National Post's Tyler Dawson joins me to talk about the reasons behind the blockades, what the concerns are if they go on for a long time, and whether there's a political solution. Don't forget you can subscribe to us on all of your favorite listening platforms, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. We'd also love it if you could leave us a rating, a review, and tell your friends about us. So, Tyler, will I guess we'll kind of start with the easiest question here. People have seen these blockades or seen protests across the country. What is the the hubbub all about here?
1: Yeah. I mean, in some ways that's the hardest question, but you know, the, the short version of it is there is a long pipeline that is running from the Dawson Creek area through the interior of British Columbia, sort of along, you know, Prince George Smithers along there. And it's going through to Kitimat, which is where the $40 billion, liquid natural gas plant is underway. Um, and this pipeline, Coastal Gas Link, is being built by Coastal Gas Link Pipelines Limited, which is a subsidiary of TC Energy, formerly known as TransCanada. Now, the point of contention is that part of this 670-kilometer pipeline goes through what is the considered the traditional territory of the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs. So because there aren't you know settled treaties and things like that in British Columbia, um, these hereditary chiefs consider about 22,000 square kilometers of the interior of BC to be their land. And so even though you have elected band councils along the pipeline route that have agreed to the project, you have these hereditary chiefs who disagree with that and And they claim jurisdiction over this land and say that the elected councils do not have jurisdiction over this land. So that's sort of the, you know, the basic objection is you have people that don't want this pipeline. Um, And the, the reason for the hubbub in the last week and a bit is because the RCMP sort of finally got around to clearing out the protests and blockades that were along a forestry access road, sort of in the middle of nowhere, about an hour and a bit south, I think. Of Smithers, BC. Um, and so that's when you had solidarity actions where you had uh, protests in Ontario that are blocking, or not so much blocking, but have brought train traffic to a halt mm-hmm. near Belleville. Um, you've had protests in Vancouver, you've had protests in Edmonton, Victoria, Ottawa, you know, pretty much everywhere you've had people sort of coming out in support of these hereditary chiefs. And I think in these city protests, you're seeing commingling of the people who are there sort of in indigenous solidarity and the people who just simply don't like pipelines.
0: You know, climate action or action against pipelines or or people who are protesting the oil and gas industry. That's that's not anything new in Canada. Like, you know, we mm-hmm. had uh in the fall there was a group called Extinction Rebellion who blockaded a bunch of roads across the country um in Edmonton where you and I are talking mm-hmm. right now. They block they blocked access to a uh bridge one of the main bridges from the south side of the river into downtown so that that's not anything new what what seems to be new here or how is how are they upping the ante in this case
1: yeah i mean so they're upping the ante in terms of um you know snarling rush hour traffic in in on its way to downtown edmonton is a, a minor inconvenience for a in the scheme of things, inconsequential number of people. I'm, I'm sure it didn't feel like that to the people stuck in their cars that morning. But, you know, in the scheme of things, you know, whatever, it wrapped up within a few hours, if I recall, no real long-term mm-hmm. effects. So so the issue here is that this blockade um, near Belleville, Ontario, which has been done by the Mohawk nation there, um, basically meant that CN Rail couldn't, Drive, do you drive a train? I guess so. Send its trains down the tracks through there. And that's also the track network used by Via Rail. Now, what those two train companies have done basically is they've they've halted their train traffic. So no passenger rail anywhere in the country, actually. Not that it's hugely significant in Western Canada anyways. It's mainly through that sort of Ontario to Quebec corridor. Mm-hmm. Um, and CN has halted all of its eastern network and an awful lot of the things that you and I use and buy at the grocery store and so far, so so on and so forth, uh, are moved around the country by train.
0: Yeah. I was, you know, I think people might kind of not really know how a lot of goods are shipped Mm -hmm. around the country. They may assume that things come in trucks because they're more likely to see trucks with their grocery store logo emblazoned on the side of it or the fast food restaurant logo emblazoned on the side of it. But a lot of the stuff in Canada gets around by train and it's not just groceries. Mm -hmm. It's not just foodstuffs. You're also talking about vehicles and you're talking about fuel for vehicles. Mm -hmm. And in parts of the country, they're worrying
1: about propane shortages, which we saw during the CN rail strike back in November. So that's part of it as well for parts of the country that use propane for various things, heating and power and whatnot. The other part of this that's quite significant is that it, it's causing, could cause a uh, sort of gridlock at ports, um, like sea ports, mm-hmm. where, because if you've had goods coming into, a, say the port of Montreal or the port of Halifax, and they can't get it out of, they're unloading and they can't get it out because the trains aren't running, at a certain point down the line somewhere, I'm not totally sure where, you no longer can take any new goods in, which means you have... Container ships and whatnot that can't unload, so that becomes a bit of a problem as well. At some point in the future, when I was speaking with you know some of the port authorities last week, didn't get the sense we were there yet. But that's certainly a a consideration of this
0: of this gridlock down the road. So in the in the short term, there could be shortages of some items like such as propane, gasoline Mm -hmm. could come up. I've heard talk of uh, even more dire situations such as chlorine for water treatment Mm -hmm. travels by train, and and that could. Slow down at some point. I know people who are on the side of the First Nations protesters say, "Well, first nations across the country don't have safe clean drinking water. Yeah. What you know, what's the inconvenience for a bunch of white folks who don't have safe <sighs> yeah. clean drinking water? But that is something that that could come up down the line as well. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think the thing that that sort of needs to be said is that it, it really defeats
1: the purpose of a protest if nobody notices and nobody's inconvenienced. I mean, you, you look, for example, at something like a union strike or a picket line that doesn't allow workers into the plant or whatever the the idea is to inconvenience the company the idea is to inconvenience regular people and the government you know it's 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 all fine and good to be you know nice and polite and march through downtown ottawa or whatever complaining about something or being concerned about something but i mean you you almost you can't argue with the success of their tactics the prime minister canceled his trip to barbados he's coming back home he's meeting with his sort of crisis Group in Ottawa, ministers are being dispatched left, right, and center to try and deal with this. I mean, it's it, it. I think I think the the idea that you know there's a right to protest up until it inconveniences others, very much misunderstands the point of a protest. Whether you <laughs> and, and I don't think that's that's not me siding on this thing in either way. I don't think to point out that that's literally the purpose of this sort of thing.
0: Right. I mean, we have some situations where there are injunctions that have been put in place, and people are suggesting that the police should. Go out and Mm -hmm. enforce these injunctions and remove protesters. I I think specifically I'm I'm talking about, uh, some of the, the blockades in Ontario. Yeah. That their, the injunctions have been put in place saying disperse. And so the police have the authority to go in Mm -hmm. and move them out. Yes. So there's been an injunction in place,
1: uh, regarding the Belleville blockade since right in the beginning of this. So it would have been not the most recent Friday, but the one before, uh, whatever day that would have been. There have been other injunctions that have been enforced. There's an injunction to uh, clear out protesters in front of the ports in Delta and Vancouver. Mm-hmm. There was an injunction in New Hazleton. And I, that blockade ended. But I don't know if it was if the injunction was enforced, so to speak. And the same thing in the for one that was briefly up last week in just outside of Winnipeg. um an injunction had been sought by CN. I believe it was granted, but the protests then sort of cleared out before. It was enforced, but yes, you're right. the The big one is the one near Belleville, Ontario, um, and there are some I, like sort of historical sensitivities, shall we say, to enforcing injunctions in Ontario. I mean, it's before my time, even to cast back to something like Ipperwash, but mm-hmm. there's quite a big in, the Ipperwash inquiry that looked into how police used force against Indigenous protesters and came up with all these frameworks inside the police department on these things. So. That is, uh, very much a factor here right now too. And I think the idea is that hopefully dialogue quote unquote dialogue can resolve this thing without, you know, having, uh, police rounding people up and arresting them.
0: Now, I mean, you talk about dialogue and you talk, you mentioned that prime minister Justin Trudeau has canceled his, uh, trip to Barbados. He was overseas trying to stir up support internationally for Canada's bid Mm -hmm. for a seat on the UN security council, there have been calls for him to come back and deal with the situation. Now that he's back, now that he's canceled his Barbados yeah. trip, what exactly can he do to deal with all of this? And is there a political solution to kind of ease tensions, dial back things a little bit, and, and, you know, get to at least the heart of the issue out in in the middle of nowhere in BC? Yeah. Uh, Is there a solution? I
1: don't know. Um, And the reason I say that is because this doesn't seem to be – well, there is a solution and it's, you know, you do arrest everyone and get them out of the way and trains start running and pipelines get built and so on and so forth. Whether or not that is politically palatable, I think, is a completely different question. Um, But but in terms of, you know, resolving the concerns that people have that – you know, the wet sweat and Hereditary Chiefs have. No, I don't actually think there's a solution. Um, not a, a feasible one anyways, because the the demands are basically that they not run a pipeline on the route mm-hmm. that it's currently planned along. And is there a way to accommodate that demand and still get the project done and still have the company want to bother with the project? And that I'm not, so sure about. Yeah. But so, so if you're not going to reroute the pipeline or cancel the pipeline and you're going to withdraw RCMP from this territory, uh, well, you've also sort of backed yourself into a little bit of a corner there in terms of getting this thing done that you set out to do. So, which is a roundabout way of me saying that I think this is super complicated and I, and I don't think there's a good solution to it. It doesn't mean there isn't a solution. I don't know if there's a good one.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau in a bit of a, uh, you say, as you say, painted into a corner. I mean, I assume if they were to back away, they would have the support of other parties in parliament. It would just be the conservatives who were railing against his actions or lack of action in the case, right? Like, Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's true. Um, the wild card as well being how the various premiers Approach this because John Horgan backs this this huge LNG plant in Kitimat, mm-hmm. uh, and he had some sort of strong words for protesters last week, and talking up the rule of law. And you know, this is a guy who's the head of the NDP in in BC, which is a you know a, a, a sort of prairie protest party at its at its roots. So, and you've had Francois Legault in Quebec condemn this and say Trudeau has to do something. Um, there's another small blockade just outside of Montreal, actually on Kanawaki. On so there's that as well. Doug Ford has been suspiciously quiet, but I suspect he's not super happy about this. Jason Kenney's condemned it and said something needs to be done. So, you know, Trudeau, whatever he does, he, I think he also has to consider how the premiers that he has to deal with are going to handle
0: it you know, and, and to complicate matters further, looking at how the blockades have managed to kind of grind Canada to a halt. And mm-hmm. as, as you say, if that's the goal of the protesters, then it has been successful from their side. Do you think this could spell trouble come construction of Trans Mountain? if there are people who are against mm-hmm. a natural gas pipeline for different reasons people are against the many people are against the the TMX pipeline not because it goes through unseated territory but because they don't want a bitumen pipeline mm-hmm. in their backyard but in terms of seeing what the actions can do do you think that this could potentially lead to more blockades more protests of this nature down the line on other projects I would
1: assume so um Jason Kenny had talked about this as being sort of a dress rehearsal for for what's going to happen with TMX I think that's certainly a possibility I think it depends you know I think there's in some ways maybe a, a perfect storm right now in terms of how just how this has resonated and whatever whatever that reason is is I think a little bit intangible because let's not forget that this is this this protest on the forestry road has been going on for a long, long time. Um, this pipeline and news around it and objections to it and the hereditary chiefs versus the elected councils. This has been going on for at least a year, longer even. I think the very, I think the, I read last week that the very first protests against this were like back in 2009 or something along mm-hmm. this forestry road. So there, there's something that's resonated, I think at this particular moment with this and you know, with something like TMX, I, I would assume you're going to see similar protests, but it's it's hard to say whether or not public appetite to be out in Vancouver and out in Ottawa marching and things like, you know, I, I just think you don't know what other factors are going to be at play that are going to affect whether or not that particular protest is going to resonate and expand in the same way that we've seen here. And I think it probably depends a little bit too on how this is resolved. If If the Liberals the government, if the police somehow back down over this or it's resolved through police use of force or some sort of discussion. I mean, I think that will maybe set the the tenor a little bit of how further protests are going to be planned and conducted and received by Canadians and pipeline
0: protesters and the government and the police and all these other stakeholders who are involved here. Now the Prime Minister cancelled his vacation, he's going to be holding some sorts of meetings. Do we know kind of the timeline for getting this dialogue started? Sort of. We have
1: an idea of timeline. So Mark Miller, the Indigenous Services Minister in Trudeau's cabinet, met with Mohawk protesters on Saturday, I believe it was. And Carolyn Bennett, who is the Minister of Crown Indigenous Relations for that same government, has also spoken with some of the hereditary chiefs. And I believe there was work being done sort of late last week on setting up a meeting between Bennett and the representative from John Horgan's government in BC. So that I suppose is the progress being made there. Um, when Mark Miller came out of his meeting on Saturday, it did not seem like they had made a whole ton of progress. Uh, and so, and Trudeau, yeah, he, so he's meeting with this group the emergency and crisis group or something like that, that's sort of to deal with crises affecting Canada. And so what will come from those meetings, I I don't think we quite know at this hour. Um, But that I think is something that
0: should sort of come out over the next 24 hours or so, Mm -hmm. I would imagine. Given that things have gotten so heated and you have, you know, people on the fringes on one side saying Mm -hmm. these, all these protesters are treasonous, you know, that kind of rhetoric that's, that's amping up. And on the other side, people saying that the, you know, this is an act of abuse of power by the Mm -hmm. RCMP. Like, is there a solution that dials things down at all? Will this get calm at all in the short term?
1: Look, I think, I think part of this is there is this sense that these protests have Um, you know, ground Canada to a halt that Canada has been brought to its knees, all this stuff. And, you know, I don't think the evidence is there for that yet. I mean, we're not fighting over the last can of beans on the Safeway shelf. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, gasoline prices have not spiked way up. People are not, you know, raiding the library to find books to burn, to heat their houses and stuff like that. Like this is not by any stretch of the imagination crisis territory. And, you know, it's, it's inconvenient. Looks, I think it looks more inconvenient than it is. Mm-hmm. You know, if a modern country such as Canada uh, is going to fall apart because one railway company shut down its network, then you can't help but think maybe we deserve to fall apart. I mean, <laughs> put this stuff on trucks and drive it. Like there, there, I think there, I think there are solutions to work around these things. Um, and I, I think this, this sense that this is a huge crisis is to some extent, fueling the sort of extremism on either side. And let's not forget that there was a CN rail strike for like a week and a half, I think it was, back in November. That that was also a crisis though, if that, I well, recall the, the red cer- Certainly people said it was a crisis, yes. yeah. And they said, legislate them back to work, blah, blah, blah. And it affected like, we. I had spoke to someone last week who said it was like 0.1% of GDP or something was affected by that. So I don't know, I'm inclined to say that in in some ways with this stuff, you just sort of have to wait it out. I mean, you look at some of the Occupy protests that we saw way back when when I was in university and this stuff just sort of petered out over time, Um, which again, this but I think that's not necessarily what people are demanding. They wanna see firm, decisive manly action from the prime minister and uh, whether or not that's a good idea, I don't know. Well, we'll see if
0: we get to that point. Indeed. Yeah, Tyler, thanks for your time. Thanks so much. 10.3 is produced by Carson Jarama. Theme music by Bryce Hall. Thanks to my guest, Tyler Dawson. More from him at nationalpost.com. I'm Dave Breckenridge. Thanks for listening.